0: Welcome to Encounter Grace, where we come face-to-face with God's work in the world for our good. Join host Jason McKnight as we explore practical issues of community, theology, and leadership in everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome, and we're so glad you're with us. I'm Jason McKnight, and in the studio today we have a great guest, which I'll get to in a minute. But first, to get there, we got to set up the hook. <laughs> there are a lot of questions that we can have in our days. People will have. I mean, people will say things like, well, what's wrong with you having your truth and me having mine? Or who are you to tell someone how to live? And here we are trying to navigate these things. Or maybe they'll say things like, what do you mean the Bible is God's word? What about the Quran? There's a billion Muslims. Jesus is the only way to God? Really? Isn't that a little exclusive? Or even questions like this, mom, why can't two men get married? I mean, love is love. Or, As we saw in Congress last week or two weeks ago, how do you define a woman? Or gender and biology, they just have no relation. Okay, what do we do in our day and age as thinking Christians, finding God in the world, His grace everywhere? How do we live and navigate this? How do we equip our children to live and navigate this? How do we work for the Lord here in these days well let's have a conversation with alex mcfarland our guest welcome brother well thank you jason it's a great honor to be with you well let me see if i get this right alex uh, is a worldview and apologetics specialist he's the host of exploring the word radio show on american family radio which is heard on a couple of hundred stations nationwide author speaker Former seminary president, you currently also teach at North Greenville University. You hold a chair there, I think I well, read that.
1: Well, uh, mostly nowadays, and, and I'm adjunct at several Oh, okay, at uh, several, okay. But um, I, I teach at a school out in Colorado called Caris Bible College. Yes, Karis. Which is a great school and just maybe the fastest-growing Christian university in North America. But, um, Isn't that great? Just trying to evangelize the lost and equip the church.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. I was thinking as I as I've gotten to know you and I've read your I read uh, you know one of your books probably 12 or 15 years ago. And so oh, wow. I've I've known about you for a little while. But as I've thought about your ministry it's evangelism and equipping. Like you, yeah. exactly the words you use. I'm like, "Oh man, that's who this is." Um, but what on earth are you doing in our podcast studio on a hot July afternoon? <laughs> uh, well, being, being
1: blessed
0: uh, very yeah, that's much. That's right,
1: you are. I, I am in your studio just enjoying the fellowship of, of you and Kent and your staff, and just uh, appreciating what Grace Church is doing, really, because from the demeanor, and, and I, I know you guys' heart, but the, even the facility itself, is a tool for bringing the Great Commission and the message of Christ to people. So I'm, I'm really just um, in my heart thanking God for you
0: and what you're doing here. Wow. Well, I didn't expect that as an answer, but thank you. And <laughs> I really let's, mean let's it. Let's zoom out. Well, and that's that. Really is good to hear because folks, you know, in our listening community, a lot of them are part of Grace. A lot of them live around Eastern North Carolina or the country, and it's just good to hear you know, someone say, yes, here's another church, just, you go to a lot of churches, here's another church just doing a good work. Amen. But you are in Eastern North Carolina. I should have been more specific. Uh. <laughs> what are you doing in Eastern North Carolina this week? I'm very excited about this. And oh. I want to tell it, but I want you to tell it. Well, I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> as
1: well. And folks, um, many of you may know this, but in case you don't, one of the great Christian retreats in our country is called The Refuge. Yeah. And um, their website, if you Google like NC Refuge, uh, and Jason, I've rented camps for 24 years. Love it. We've I was a youth pastor for 11 years, and then we started a ministry called Truth for a New Generation, and we've done a lot of things. But um, about May of 2021, I was invited to speak at the Refuge. Now, the Refuge is led by a dear brother named Sammy Hudson Mm -hmm. and his wife, Desta, and their incredible staff, Terry, and they've got just a
0: a wonderful staff.
1: But um, honestly, in terms of a Christian camp, it is world class. And my wife and I were down here for me to speak at, at an event he did, and my wife whispered in my ear, she said, look, you need to rent this camp and do something here. And so we're doing a a summer camp for youth, and Jason, it's really biblical worldview. I love it. I love it. And uh, uh, the flip side of that coin, you might say, is something called apologetics. Now, apologetics is not apologizing. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not saying, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. Please like me anyway. No, it's not that. But it really, in, in the spirit of, well, I'll give you a scripture, 1 Peter 3.15, mm-hmm. be ready always to give an answer. So what we're trying to do for these young people, and we've got kids from more than 10 states, and we're yes. talking about what does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? Here are some of the the crosswinds of the culture. Mm -hmm. Here's what's going on. Mm -hmm. And here's what you're going to hear when you go to college. Uh, But here's how to really defend some of the basics, like the Bible is the word of God. Jesus rose from the dead. Therefore, he is uh, the one and only Savior. And so it's just, um, you know, knowing what you believe and the reasons why. And I will say this, the kids are hungry for it. Yeah. This is my third of four camps this summer. We did a camp in Georgia, almost near the Florida state line. Uh, I did a camp in Colorado. Um, Next month, just before school begins, I've got a camp in Iowa. But um, my home state is North Carolina, and it's always good to be home. But we are
0: loving eastern North Carolina. And, and we have we've had Sammy on the podcast oh really real? yeah. we, we called it miracles with Sammy because everywhere he goes there's a miracle and and if you haven't it's it's probably one of the first 15 episodes you got to go back and listen to that um, it's just so great uh, you he, gotta love him yeah he and esta they just follow the Lord and you don't know. What's coming next? Anytime he calls, you're you nah. kinda you kinda put your helmet on because you don't know what's coming, but you know you'll be blessed if you jump on. Yeah. And not that he's infallible, he's not the Pope, but it's uh-huh. just fun to fun to explore. Well, let's talk about this thing called worldview and apologetics. And it used so when I was coming through uh, school, high school, we did a course. I went to a Christian high school in mm-hmm. Montreal, and we mm-hmm. did in ninth grade a course on apologetics. We used Paul Little's book, Know Why You Believe. And honestly, don't let my kids hear this. I never read a word of it, but I just took good notes in class yeah. <laughs> and I learned sure. everything. I mean, I, I mean, you know, like as they went through sort of evidences for the resurrection and evidence for the scriptures, the word of God and exclusivity of Christ and all this kind of stuff. But w- what is it now that we're, we're talking apologetics and worldview in the same frame now? We're, mm-hmm. we're kind of bringing them together. Maybe they weren't as much. Maybe it was more separated before, or maybe worldview is just newer than my ninth grade.
1: Well, you know, um, l- let me say to people that um, the idea of maybe worldview yeah. or defending Christianity, uh, this might be a new thing, but I really believe, Jason, that it goes all the way back to the early church, New Testament times. Great, come on. Yeah, and, and you know what's so interesting is there, I love to recommend books, um, and I never recommend a book that I haven't read myself at least once. But there, there's a book by a, a scholar named Russ Bush, and it's called Classical Christian Apologetics. Uh, Hmm. The subtitle is something like Defending the Faith in the First 200 Years of Christianity. And you've got some names like Chrysostom and Justin Martyr and Tertullian, and those names might not be terribly familiar, but do you know what they were dealing with in the early church? The question, is Jesus really the Son of God? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Is there absolute truth that's applicable to all people? Um, Up, you know, from like 96 to about 150, you know, what is the New Testament canon? Do we really know? Um, Are these writings of Paul on par with Genesis through Malachi? Mm -hmm. Um, How do we really know that this is the word of God? And then um, they were trying to understand what is the incarnation? How is Jesus fully deity but yet Fully human, but not fallen human. Right. And, and so it's amazing. Uh, nowadays, here we are in the 21st century, and we've got some devices like mobile phones and computers. But the core issues of how we know God and who is God and what does it mean to be a born-again believer, actually these issues have been ours to proclaim and defend for two millennia.
0: And, and I, I've not read that book, Russ Bush. Yeah. A, a it's classical. really a great book. Yeah. Uh, by the
1: way, let me encourage your listeners um, build a good library. Hmm. I mean, I know we read a lot on a screen, and of course we all do. There, there is a quote attributed to John Wesley of Methodism. I don't know if he said it, but they attributed it. He said, Those who read lead. Hmm. Uh, be a reader, build a good library. And uh, I love, because books shape us. And yeah. Jason, I've got to tell you this. I am here today with you in large measure because of two books that I bought when I was about 72 hours into my Christian walk.
0: How how old were you when you came to Christ? And then I want to hear about the books. Let's Tell me the story. 21 years old. You're 21 years old, finished college or in college? In college at UNC Greensboro. Okay, my wife went there. Oh, really? For real? Yeah. Okay, yeah. wow. Go okay. Spartans. Yeah, there we huh. go. So then you came to Christ at college, yeah. and, f- and what brought you to Christ?
1: Well, um, a girl that I was chasing. I tell people that— <laughs> I love it. Uh, that's why, uh, listen, you never know. Uh, invite people to church, folks. Mm-hmm. Invite people to church. So I really uh, had a crush on this girl, and uh, very wisely, she did not have a crush on me. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, I— um, I tell people I had not seen the light, and I wasn't looking for the switch. But uh, <laughs> so I, I was inviting. There was a girl I knew from high school. She was in nursing school. I was at UNCG, um, barely eking out a C average. Yeah. And uh, I invited her to go hear my band play, right? I was in a band. Right, And uh, she was like, no Guitar, th- right? Yeah. yeah. And she was like, no thanks. And finally, 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 like one day she goes, okay, like what are you doing Monday night? And I said, um, homework. She goes, well, would you like to come to a Bible study? She knew that was a lie with you, yeah, average. I <laughs> she, yeah. She was like, you want to come to a Bible study? And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, man, of course. I'm all about that, you know. Bible study, super good, you know. <laughs> so she was like, well, you come to the Bible study for four weeks, mm. and I will think about going out with you. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm all about that. And I was like, let's get this over with. Yep. Yep. But— Here's the thing, Jason, for the first time in my life that I can recall. Now, maybe I had heard the gospel, but don't remember. I heard verse by verse exegetical teaching. Mm. And I I would like to share what really got my attention because I was an English major. I love words. So I go to this Bible study. Just I'm going to like placate her. Maybe she'll go out with me. But the teacher was teaching on um, the book of Acts. And he said uh, in Acts 16.31, this jailer asked Paul, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, Acts 16.31. And the night I went, he's unpacking what the word believe means. And James 2.19 says the devils believe yet tremble. Right. And he said, you know what, if you ask Satan... Do you know God exists? Mm. Even Satan could say, oh yes, I'm aware of that. Do you know Jesus was born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin? Jesus is the son of God. Even the devil could say, oh yes, I'm aware of these things. And so I'm listening, I'm like, hmm, where is he going with this? He said, you know what? There's a word that means um, a mental acknowledgement in your head, but then there's another word that really means a heart relationship. Mm. And to quote, believe in Jesus. It's not just to say, I acknowledge there was a man named Christ, Jesus, God is real. No, you have to repent, believe. You have to have this personal relationship with Christ. And I'm listening, the teacher, he said, there's a lot of people that are aware of God, Mm -hmm. but they've not yet had a personal encounter with Jesus. And you must have that experience. It's called being born again. And suddenly at age 21 yeah. with utmost clarity i realized i'm not a christian yet i've been to church wow. and and it was it really was transformative and jason i'm not trying to be melodramatic but i mean that was 30 I think you 36 years ago mm. and i'm not over it yet right on yeah <laughs> and and i'm i'm like thank you lord yeah. that And so I was in a class, and I'm thinking about these things for a few days, I'm thinking. And um, let me just share this. Growing up, um, you know, the Bible Belt, Mom and Dad were Christians. They really were. Um, But me and my sister, my sister and I, I should say, (laughs) I mean, we played with a Ouija board. Huh. And, I mean, we, um, you know, I had taken the Lord's name in vain, and I had— you know, I knew I was a sinner. I had this crushing awareness of my own guilt. And I begin, I think about the gospel, but then I was thinking, well, God couldn't love me. I'm too bad of a sinner. Right. And I, for a couple of weeks, I was like, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. not savable. I mean, I, you know, um, dabbled in the occult right. and lied to my parents. And The Bible says, honor your father and mother. So I was in a class and... I thought about Jesus was nailed to the cross and as the Son of God he must have been completely righteous and if he could die for the world he could have died for me hmm. because I was taking a class there's think of the law of composition and the whole is made of the parts and if he could die for the whole right he could die for one of the parts of the whole mm-hmm. if he could die for the human race He could die for me. And I was in a class, I was trying hard not to cry, because I didn't want anybody to see me get emotional, but I thought, Jesus Christ died for Alex McFarland. Amen. And it blew me away. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I asked Jesus Christ, and I go to my room, and I was like looking at my Bible, and um, Isaiah 118, I didn't know Old Testament, New Testament, but Isaiah 118, said, come now, let us reason together, saith the mm-hmm. Lord, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And I just would love to say to anybody who might hear this, God loves you. Mm-hmm. God loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. And you might think it's too late, or you've done too much, or you've waited too No, no, you haven't waited too long. If you are hearing this broadcast, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The grace of God yeah. is... John Piper, yeah, I know you've heard right. that preacher, John yeah, Piper. Yeah, sure. He said, uh, this is priceless. He said, bad news is you're a whole lot worse sinner than you think you are. <laughs> the good news is God's a whole lot bigger God
0: than you mm. think he is. Yeah, that's true.
1: And, and, I, and I don't mean man, to talk too much. Thank you for sharing that. No. Back going. to the, we'll yeah, get, the... Get the car back up on the road. It was so, so good, though. All my friends at UNCG were like... I was trying to awkwardly stumble around and say, listen, Jesus loves you. And they were like, yeah, but what about this? What about that? Right. So I go to a Christian bookstore in Greensboro. I'd been a believer like three days. And I go in there and I ask the man, "Uh, do you have any um, books about how to answer hard questions? Right. I mean, like tough questions. And he said, well, and I look, and I didn't know anything about anything. And he said, Here's a guy named Josh McDowell. Yep. And I bought Evidence That Demands a Verdict and More Than a car. More than a car.
0: Well, and and then more Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And so um,
1: I I had to go to work, had to go to school. So I I get home probably about 8 o'clock that night, and I curl up with these two books. Well, about 5 a.m., I thought, I've got to get a couple hours of sleep because class is about 8 o'clock. But literally— Meeting Jesus changed my life, then reading Josh McDowell. And here we are. Wow. Uh, in wow. case you don't know, Josh McDowell no, is like a like very important name in apologetics. The godfather, I guess. Yeah, apologetics. for real. Yep.
0: And I remember that evidence that demands a verdict, and I, I, I didn't read it cover to cover like you. I must have had a shorter attention span, mm-hmm. but I would dip into it for different things and, and read here and there because I thought, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I grew up in a Christian home, and I was a believer. But yeah. you know, just to sink it in and, and help it take root.
1: Yeah, and I, I think we need apologetics more than ever, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, if we can share the simple gospel message, and somebody's ready, praise the Lord. Yeah. But more and more, in um, where people have questions. Well, what about? I mean, I've had kids ask, "How does God hear all the prayers of the human race all at once?" Right. And what about people that are sincere, but they, they don't believe in Jesus, but they, they're they sincere about what they do believe. And, you know, what about evil? If God loves, mm-hmm. you know, why is there some violence and shooting and just, you know, pain and suffering and diseases no. and there's, you know, cancer? Why doesn't God fix this broken world? Um, I think we still need to be able to rise to the challenge of First Peter and give an
0: answer. Give an answer, yep. It also strikes me that apologetics is is at least as much discipleship as it is evangelism. Discipleship of the person learning the apologetics to give a defense, because then yeah. they're stronger in their faith. It's kind of a twofold
1: benefit. It really is. The, the Holy Spirit can use apologetics to persuade the lost
0: or equip the saved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think that's what we see again and again. Yeah. I know that's what it did in my life. Yeah, It, it equipped me. And I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I know I've had conversations with coworkers over the years uh, when I was working in the secular workforce about some of those things, but it's not like I ever let anyone write to Christ because, you know, all of a sudden we talked about exclusivity of Christ. Like it was, but it just helped them hmm. take an edge off of their doubts.
1: Um, l- let me tell you uh, how worldview can help yeah. in, in ministry. Um, not too far from here, um, is a town on I 95, if my memory serves me, called Rocky Mount. Yep. And I was over there to preach. This is like 10 years ago. And um, all right, there, there's like evidence for the Bible, history, mm-hmm. archaeology. Uh, but then there's just general worldview because the Christian message answers origin, purpose, destiny. Where did mm. we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? And then there are ethical questions too, right? Yeah. All right. So I was in Rocky Mount, and um, the pastor that I was speaking at a church, I don't even, sadly, don't remember the name of the church, but he goes, Let's go to eat. And uh, we went to a little restaurant, and I'll never forget this pastor who goes, Oh my goodness, look over there. The, do you see that guy in the corner? He's an atheist. And mm. I said, Really? And there was a gentleman sitting in the corner, and he had on. Uh, a hat with a bunch of pins, and I'm thinking, okay, he's a veteran, and he he goes look at, and I did. He goes, no, don't look, don't look. He said, I'll never forget. Preacher said that guy has tied more preachers up in a knot. He oh he's he's. I said, well, let's go talk to him. And the pastor was like, well, I don't know. So I go over to this total yeah, stranger. Yeah. This guy's sitting there eating his lunch. It was like a barbecue restaurant, and I said. Hello, um, I said I know you don't know me, but my name's Alex, and I'm speaking at a church here in town. And I would be very honored if you would come to the service. And I'm like thinking, Lord, what do I say? And the guy looks at me. He goes, "You're a preacher, huh?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, but I'm just a Christian." But yes, I'm a minister. Right. Um, he goes, "What are you preaching on?" And I said, "Apologetics." And he goes, "What's that?" And I said, "Well, it's like answers to questions." And I said, "Hey, man, I got to be straight." The word is you're an atheist. Is that right? And he goes, Yeah, I'm an atheist. I was like, Wow. And he has on this hat with all these pins. I said, You're a veteran. My dad was a veteran. I, said, I want to say thank you for serving our country. And he goes, Well, uh, I did. He said, Uncle Sam called, and I did my duty. Mm. That's honestly, I remember it now. And um, so I said, So like, wh- were you always an atheist? And this is what I very often I'll ask people. Right, right. Was there ever a time like when you did believe in God? And he kind of paused. He said, yeah. Now, keep in mind, I've known this guy like 30 seconds. Yeah, right, right. But I'm trying to give you an example, Jason, of how worldview can assist in ministry. Yeah. And I said, so, like, what is your question? And he quickly, he goes, doesn't First Corinthians 6 say... Neither thieves nor liars nor right. will inherit the kingdom. Exactly. And he runs down this grocery list. So I'm thinking, okay, this guy knows Bible. This guy knows Bible. He goes and it says, murderers will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. I said, yes, it, it, the Apostle Paul said that. He goes and he said, so look, my country, I was 18 years old. I got drafted. They put a rifle in my hand. They sent me to Vietnam. He said, I killed people in Vietnam. Okay, now in my mind, and by the way, if you're ever witnessing, be praying because James 1 verse 5 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God yep. who gives abundantly, does not with So the whole time I'm listening and I'm like, Lord, show me what to do. Lord, please help me. And he goes, I did what my country told me to do. Mm. But 1 Corinthians 6 says I can't go to heaven. Wow. And I'm listening. I said, okay, now let me make sure I understand you, sir. And I said, first of all, I'm profoundly honored you would even talk to me, so thank you. He says, I've never had a preacher yet answer this question. Mm. And I said, well, um, so you served your country in the military, which involves shooting a gun at people. And yet you know First Corinthians 6 says murderers will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So the idea that you are irrevocably destined for hell is intolerable. So you've created a scenario in which you're not going to spend eternity in hell, but that means there's no such thing as God. So if there is a God, you're bound for hell. But if, if there's no such thing as God, you're okay. He goes, well, yes. I s- and I looked at him, and I thought, this guy seems very – there's 5%. He's op-. I said, I thought you had a hard question. <laughs> I, I, s- I said, I was – to be honest, I was worried. I said um, – this is not a hard question at all. In fact, there was a guy 1,600 years ago, Augustine, mm-hmm. 354 to 430, he dealt with this question. So I said, the answer to this is not hard at all. He goes, well, so what is it? Yeah, right. <laughs> and um, sometimes letting a little cognitive yes. dissonance yes. lay there is not a bad. thing. Yeah. And, and I said— Also in parenting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we're sitting there. And my pastor friend is, like, watching me, and I looked at and him. He wants and,
0: the answer, too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and God is good. Now, it doesn't always happen this way. Mm-hmm. But so I said to him, I said, please hear me. And I said, I'm going to tell you an answer that Augustine, C.S. Lewis, and Billy Graham would all affirm. Mm-hmm. So some of the best and brightest that have ever lived would affirm what I'm about to say. I said, sir, there's a difference between murder murder and killing. Sixth Commandment, Exodus 20, 1 through 17, thou shalt not commit murder. But Romans 13, 1 through 7, basically says God gives to nations and individuals the right to self-defense. Now, in a fallen world, um, a peace officer killing an assailant, a soldier at war, there might have been killing involved, but that wasn't murder. Murder, so national defense, self-defense. I said, so if you're worried about 1 Corinthians 6, you have not committed the prohibition of 1 Corinthians 6 murder. Long story short, I'm seeing like a tear appear in this mm-hmm. guy's eye. Freedom. And we sat there and prayed at a restaurant mm-hmm. off of I-95. Now, I didn't mean to take up so much time, but here's why, Jason, I believe the church... And individual Christians need to be at least conversant Mm -hmm. with issues of worldview (laughs) and issues of apologetics. Because I, I really think there are masses of people ready to open up to Jesus like the restaurant man if they could be helped over an obstacle that currently is a tape loop in their mind. Yeah,
0: yep. I think you're exactly right, especially as... That the world we live in is less churched and less and less, like the 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 U.S. Let's say is less and less churched, and the cultural overlay of where we live and the and the biblical worldview has less overlap to it because it used to be that you know a dad and a mom and kids and sort of upholding the Ten Commandments in schools and, and blah, blah, blah. Like it used to be that there was a veneer of Judeo-Christian uh, worldview in our culture so that it, it all sort of was together. But now as it's farther apart, I think it's, it's acts of the apostles' opportunity for people coming to Jesus because they've never heard of him before. I mean, the old school Bible Belt inoculated people to Jesus. Yeah. But now if they don't have any experience, Jesus is compelling amen, amen, and the message of the cross is freedom. it's the tear in the corner of the eye yeah
1: it it, it really is liberating when you hear um that God is real, his grace is sufficient mm-hmm. and and also that God is personal right right God honestly wants to be in a relationship with each and every person yeah you yep. know
0: yep. What are some resources that you would say, here's here's what you can use to help equip yourself? Like, whether it's books or podcasts or... Um. Uh, well, listen to the Encounter Grace <laughs> yeah, podcast. <there> <laughs> I
1: highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, well, what you're doing is, is a great right. resource. Right. But... Um, let me just say this. We we really do live in the golden age of apologetics. I, I was very blessed to be... Met. I thought
0: that was with C.S. Lewis.
1: Well, as great as Lewis was, I mean, and, and I love C.S. Lewis. I'm like the biggest C.S. Lewis fan ever, maybe. Uh, his son, Douglas Gresham Lewis, is yeah. a wonderful believer, speaks for us in some of our conferences. Yes. Yeah. But... Um, I was blessed to be mentored by a guy named Norm Geisler. Right on. He's in heaven now, mm-hmm. G-E-I-S-L-E-R. Norm Geis- Norman L. Geisler wrote a lot of great books. But he told me when um, he was a young believer in 1950, there were two apologetics books for sale in North America at that time. Wow. And uh, one was by a guy named E.J. Carnell, mm-hmm. and one was um, by a Catholic press called... Uh, I think it was something like Christianity, defensively stated. But then, <laughs> that's a compelling title. Yeah, it, it really is a <laughs> uh, compelling title. But you know, along uh, came C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. and in the fifties, um, he was really worldviewish. Was a guy named Carl Henry, yes. who was the yes. first editor of Christianity
0: Today. But, um, and then Francis Schaefer in the oh, yeah. 60s and in 70s. The, in the
1: late 60s and 70s, along comes Francis Schaefer mm-hmm. and uh, the Labrie Institute. And I, I meet alumnus of Labrie all over America, and that was kind of a worldview think tank. Yeah. But, do you know, um, the message of the gospel is very simple. You know, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, paid our sins on the cross, and we can come to a relationship with God by putting our trust in Jesus. And what's so beautiful about Christianity, Jason? I think is that it's simple enough for a five year old to understand, but profound enough that the most brilliant scholars can uh, spend their lives
0: delving more deeply into the Word of God. And in so many ways, because like you're an English major, and so there's so many genres, types of literature that the the legal mind can love. Romans and Leviticus and Exodus, oh, yeah. but then the poets can love the prophets and Psalms, and the historians can. I mean, there's so many different ways that people can pursue the joy of Scripture, just depending Amen. on how you're wired.
1: Well, you're right. the The Bible really is this inexhaustible goldmine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Of you know, the origin story of the human race is in the book of Genesis, and you've got the law of God. The first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch, as in you know, pentagon five. Yep. Um, Moses wrote those. Then you've got the history of ancient Israel. And by the way, I I really think one of the keys to understanding the Bible is to understand the context. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, students will often, you know, reach out to us and they're like, you know, I'm reading um, Deuteronomy and Numbers and how how does this apply to me? And Mm -hmm. you've got um, what the ancient um, Jews might have called wisdom literature, like Proverbs and... Um, You know, Ecclesiastes, Mm -hmm. Song of Solomon is very poetic. Then you've got the prophets, like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Isaiah. Um, In the Old Testament, sometimes they say minor prophets and major prophets. Uh, It doesn't at all speak of their significance or insignificance, but the length. length. Mm -hmm. But regardless of the discipline, okay, history, physics, biology, chemistry, mathematicians, historians... Um, Legal scholars. We have, in all of our 40-some conferences, we have used scholars of every discipline Mm -hmm. with earned PhDs, oftentimes multiple PhDs, oftentimes from the Ivy League and Oxford and, you know, Brown, Cornell, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Princeton, Harvard. We've, we've interfaced with scholars of every discipline. And so what I would say to every one of your listeners is Christianity, the biblical worldview, that the triune God exists, mm-hmm. God created, God has revealed himself to humanity, uh, God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, we can personally have a relationship with Christ all of these things, I believe, are undergirded by compelling lines of evidence. Yeah. And for the person who says, "Well, you know, do I have to switch off my brain to be a follower of Jesus?" No, quite the contrary. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I'm not not just saying this. We've been privileged everything from surgeons, medical doctors, to astrophysicists, mm-hmm. um, to farmers to moms, soccer moms and little children. Christianity, I would argue, Jason, is the only worldview that fulfills these criteria. Hmm. It's comprehensive. It answers all the big questions. It's cohesive. Hmm. It actually makes sense and is livable. It's corroborated by evidence, Hmm. and it is completing. It actually fulfills the
0: heart. The human heart. That's great. Comprehensive, cohesive. Corroborated. corroborated and completing. And completing. That's fantastic. And,
1: you know, besides being existentially verified, mm-hmm. it also mm-hmm. is, and I'm throwing out big words here, aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I mean, what what worldview has caused more poets right. to pick up a pen Composers, you, I mean, you think about some of our most beloved works of music. All right, for instance, I've you, no doubt as a pastor you've done weddings. I've mm-hmm, done weddings. Mm-hmm. Half the time at a wedding you'll hear a beautiful song called Canon in D. Mm-hmm. Johann Pachelbel. Do you know that was an offertory?
0: <laughs> seriously, <laughs> seriously. I mean, he, he came up with that on a Saturday night just for church the next day to fill in four Seriously. Minutes.
1: He was what's called a chorister or music wow. leader at a church. wow. And it was something to play while they took up the collection. Isn't that amazing? One of the world's most iconic, venerated pieces of music. And it's amazing. It's almost like in, in the arts because the church mm. gave the world the arts, yeah, really. That's right. Just an insignificant offertory piece. I mean, Christianity's throwaways are that's like some of the world's most beautiful things. Handel's Messiah, mm-hmm. the Hallelujah Chorus, mm-hmm. d- straight on down to Amazing Grace yeah, by John yeah, Newton. That's right. Um, So Christianity has enriched the human experience everywhere it's gone. Everywhere it's gone. May God grant that once again it comes through the communities and the hearts of America.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and, and it, it comes by not learning a series of facts or lines of argument or things like that, but knowing the one behind them and loving the Lord Jesus. And then saying, well, since I love Jesus, let me get to know about the things of Jesus. And this includes how do we look at the world now in a way that's cohesive and corroborated and completing. uh, and, And how do we know, like, let us be encouraged by, you know what, it's not check your brain at the door, just trust Jesus rose from the dead. But it's like, go to the tomb and work it through. And it's the most verifiable fact of history. Amen. And, and that's, like, it's not so that now we can have confidence, Is that we already have confidence in Jesus, and now, brother and sister in Christ, let's grow in that so that then we can also just overflow to others. Amen. Yeah. And, and,
1: you know, that realization, Jesus did rise from the grave. Uh, Jesus is with us right now. Christ will come back. I believe that's sustaining when we're, um, you know, in a de- deep dark valley, Yes. And, you know, people are stressed about money and just there, there's a lot of pressure in the world right now. Mm-hmm. But how do we hang on when we're about to lose our grip? Well, the Bible says he will never leave us or forsake us. The Bible says that he is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. Mm-hmm. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really right. honestly matters. And, and I, I feel like... If Jesus rose, and and clearly the evidence is compelling that he did, then God exists, Uh, God has acted in history, God's word is true, because remember the only God that ever rose from the grave, Jesus said in John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, my words will never pass away. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. And so maybe somebody listening needs just a little... Uh, urge to just walk with the Lord one more day, mm, come on, keep yeah, yeah. hang in there yep. god's words, his promises are yeah. true yeah and um you know we we're not living in vain yeah this is this is what life in fact is all about.
0: we aren't following a set of facts or precepts we're following a risen savior, a person who lives and is bringing our names before the Father, interceding for us every day. Even right this moment. (laughs) Even now. You're
1: right. I know throughout a lot of scripture, I'll share one more scripture, if I may. Yeah. Philippians 1, verse 6. Mm -hmm. Now, Paul is in jail, Mm -hmm. um, but he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it under the day of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, God begins a work in us at the moment of salvation. And the rest of life is this adventure to grow, to trust, to experience, Mm -hmm. and to become something that we never would have become apart from the redemptive work of our Savior.
0: Yeah, amen. And he will not give it up. He will complete it until the day of Jesus. And there's going to be twists and turns, but he's not going to give up on you or me or anyone listening, and that's the joy. Alex, thank you for coming. You're such a blessing. I mean, you are You are in the middle of a week of ministry here, and, and we're recording this in mid-July, and I'm, I'm forgetting exactly when it's going out, but uh, in the middle of this week at the Refuge, thank you for coming to bless our listening community. And folks, thank you for being here. Who do you need to share this with? Just send this out in the podcast form. Uh, like it, share it on Facebook. Just do something to bless someone else with the joy of Christ and uh, the courage it is. Uh, belonging to him again, Alex. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. This is a ministry of Grace Fellowship Church in Kinston, North Carolina. Visit gracekinston.org or follow us on.